Hello, welcome to Amazon Women on the Moon podcast segment by segment. Uh, I am your host, Darren. Also, if you're not aware, the editor and producer of this podcast. Um, I am the one responsible. I, I watched this film and I thought to myself, it'd be funny if people talked about the individual segments. Um, and then obviously that created a headache for myself. Um, but I'm here as the host and joining me today, uh, I have Leandra Lynn. Hello, Leandra. Hey, happy to be here. Uh, this film I have watched a number of times. Uh, and I would admit when I was younger, it was definitely for the segment where a woman walks around semi-nude. Um, <laughs> and as I grew older, you know, I've rewatched it mostly for some of the other segments. Um, but I still do love that segment just because she talks about how um, the humidity in, in California and stuff and she's like sitting in a church naked and it's, you know, it's humorous. Um, so that's my that's my experience with this film is having watched it on like TV in like 1990 and then, uh, you know, watched it a few times since. But I should say, have you ever watched this film before I asked you to be a part of this project? I Were you even aware of this film? I was aware of the um, film. I remember like vaguely seeing it when I was much too young to understand. Uh, and then that was pretty much my experience with it. I think that my dad was probably watching it and I went, oh, what's that? And he went, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So have you watched the whole film or have you just watched the segments that I sent for uh, the recordings that we are doing? Most recently, I've only watched the segments that uh, that I'm kind of reviewing with you. Uh, but I I did go through and looked at the synopsis and it unlocked some very strange memories. I'm like, I do remember <laughs> this. <laughs> yeah. Like I say, like the, like kind of the pet house pet one, which I think is actually called Murray in video land is when that, when that segment appears. Yeah. Uh, well, no, actually none of that runs into it, doesn't it? You have pet house video and then it runs into Murray because he wants to go to that segment. <laughs> He's just sitting there up late at night, looking at watching his TV, um, and then Monique Gabrielle is 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 walking around as Taryn Steele, which is a, re- a really great character name. I love Taryn Steele just as because that just sounds like a like a pen <coughs> pet name. Um, so does Monique Gabrielle as well, though. But you know, it's because she was so. Um, but yeah, and then you know the, the kind of the Amazon women. It's it's weird because obviously you know the main body of it, the Amazon Women on the Moon stuff, is so kind of like short because each segment is only like a few minutes and then it gets cut off with all these adverts and stuff. So I think it barely makes up about 12 minutes of the runtime in total if you were to watch the whole thing. Um, and obviously they use a lot of shortcuts to get around, you know, the, the need for to do any actual kind of like special effects and stuff like that, uh, you know, as would have been the same for like a, a film from the 50s. Um, so, yeah, it's it's kind of weird that like there's always these little... And, and I would say this segment is one of those segments where I don't... Like with some of the other ones where it's like... Um, Suddenly, Invisible Man, or you know, like the the penthouse pet thing, or um, you know, the roast your loved ones, like I, I like, or Critics Corner is the first half of that. I kind of understand, like that that might be someone turning the TV over and seeing those things, um, and even like you know the the final segment, which is you know kind of a parody of Reef of Madness. Again, like it's it's stuff that you would expect people to watch. And all the little adverts that are in between for Silly Pate um, and Blacks Without Soul, which, you know, it's literally, uh, it's, I mean, I just love, I mean, you know, obviously it's someone else's segment, but I love uh, David Allen Greer's <laughs> singing Jeremiah was a bullfrog, like with like absolutely no soul. It's like, it's such a, it's such a funny thing. Uh, you know, whenever I actually hear the, like the Three Dog Night version, I immediately just start singing the David <laughs> Allen Greer version. Um, so, you know, for me, like, uh, 
all those segments i kind of understand what's happening like you're watching an advert on late night tv you're watching you know like the you know the appeal for blacks without souls from bb king like you're watching things that make sense if you're turning the tv over this segment is one that i don't understand in the context of the premise of the film because it just seems like an snl sketch it does um yeah and like it has the premise of an snl sketch and then it, it you know for some reason you've got like at the you know at the time two very big stars like um you know rosanna arquette had just done like um i try to she was in uh desperately seeking susan and um after hours and silverado like she was in some big films like a couple of years before this and steve gutenberg you know the man of the 80s like everything he touched turned to a series of films um you know like cocoon short circuit police academy three men and a, a baby which came out after this you know later in the year all got sequels like the amount of sequels generated from films starring steve gutberg in the 80s is ridiculous like nobody else was making franchises like that guy so to get him in this kind of six minute sequence in the middle of the film is kind of remarkable um i wonder what but, like, the director I just, like, had blackmail wise on him like seriously <laughs> I, I well it's funny you mentioned that because the director is peter horton who uh, i'm not sure if you're aware of the tv show 30 something um which is all one word, by the way, squished mm. together, 30-something, uh, all in lowercase as well, because it was the 80s and people were trying that kind of thing. And it was created... I can't remember the name of the creators, but Peter Horton played a character called Gary. He had his luscious his luscious ginger hair and his beautiful ginger beard. I mean, he was like... He was on a cast of people who were extremely good-looking. Like, it's it was like Zoolander out there <laughs> on, this, on this show. Um, I would say with the exception of Timothy Busfield. But, you know... He's still a good-looking man, but not as good-looking as the rest of the cast. They were ridiculously good-looking. And Peter Horton directed some episodes, but most importantly, his character, spoiler alert for season three, I think, or season four (laughs) of 30-something, his character was killed off about 10 10 episodes before the show finished. And he was was like, um, his character rode his bike everywhere. That was well-known. And um, suddenly, like, he's in a, he's he's like run over, basically, on his bike. And, like, one of the characters gets a call and then, like, you know, the following episode is his, like, you know, funeral. And those episodes got gigantic ratings. Like, it was a massive, like, event. Um, and then, you know, they fell off pretty quickly. in terms, And he appeared as a ghost a couple of times in some episodes after that. And, yeah. But so he but he directed some episodes of 30-something and he was moving towards being a director. And he directs, like, five or six sequences in this, he's like this. I think he, like him and Joe Dante, might direct the same amount of sequences in the entire film. And he actually appears in one segment with Michelle Pfeiffer and Griffin Dunn. He plays Michelle Pfeiffer's husband in the section that's set in the hospital, directed by John Landis. Yeah, so that's been discussed. So I don't want to go over that. But yeah, so Pete Horton, I think, is the only person who acts and directs in this entire enterprise. Um, but yeah, I can't say there's anything like remarkable about the direction of this. It's literally like, like we say, it is like an SNL sketch with a very specific premise, and then it just kind of builds a bunch of jokes on that premise, and then and then we have a little payoff at the end, um, where Steve Gutenberg goes to a phone box, and, and you know we get the punchline. Um, but yeah, I, like it's really weird because like within the context of the film, I'm like, why are we watching these two people? Like, what's like it's just a funny, it's a funny thing, and obviously they're two good actors, like at the peak of their powers. But I'm like. 
what is what is this entire segment? I don't... Yeah. <laughs> like, it just kind of comes out of there. It's not an ad. It's not... Be right there! Uh, it's not part of Amazon Women on the Moon. It's just kind of a, a random, and now for something in, uh, entirely different, like... So the premise is quite simple. Steve Guttenberg, man of the year, you know, in so many... Police Academy 4, made a lot of money. Um, you know, he was about to be in Cocoon 2. Um, three men and a, and a little lady. Uh, sorry, three men and a baby coming out later in '97. Gigantic hit. Like I don't think people appreciate these days. I mean, obviously, you know, made like a couple of hundred million, but like at the time, you know, just a, a, a box office, you know, smash. Um, I I think also because of the other two guys. I mean, three handsome gents looking after a baby. You know, comedy gold. Directed by um, Leonard Nimoy. Um, you know, so hot off. You know. Star Trek 4 he, you know he used his power from Star Trek 4 to get himself to make a remake of a French film uh, which I think is just called Très Homme et un bébé so it's not, not that complex in terms of like you know the remake thing um, but we have you know Steve Gutenberg playing you know the kind of his his archetype character like the, if you think of Steve Gutenberg it's this guy Garrett hi hi I'm Jerry Stone hi Jerry nice hi. meeting you I'm sorry I'm running a little bit late oh don't worry about it you look nice. Thank you. A guy who's extremely charming, you know, says all the right things. Um, you know, in in the original Police Academy, he had a shirt that pointed to his crotch and said "one in the oven," which I always thought was hilarious uh, as a child. But you know, maybe later on, I'm like, mm, it's, you know, Police Academy is not. I mean, yeah, you know, I I think maybe the Simpsons destroyed Police Academy with that joke where he's like, you know, why do you think I took you to all those Police Academy movies? I didn't hear anybody else laughing. <laughs> um, I forgot. So. About that. <laughs> Yeah, so so we've got Jerry Stone, and he's going on a date with Karen. Um, you know, Rosanna Arquette, looking amazing, like so beautiful. Uh, obviously, one of the um, thirteen Arquette siblings. Um, that's an exaggeration. There's only five. Um, <laughs> Somewhere between five and eighty of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, obviously, everyone knows David. Uh, I think Patricia. I would say her career was slightly more successful than Rosanna's. Um, and Alexis, obviously tragic that we lost her a few years ago. Um, and then, but the weird thing is, like, you know, her father was also a performer, um, as was her grandfather. Uh, so, like, Louis Arquette and Cliff Arquette were also performers. So, you know, not quite as bad as, uh, you know, some other Nepo babies, but, you know, still, she, she had an in to showbiz. Um, you know, she'd been acting. It's weird because, like, her second ever film was more American Graffiti. Which I always like. I, I'm disappointed that sequels don't do that these days. You know, like, we had Iron Man and Iron Man 2. Why not just more Iron Man? You know, I'd like, you know, why not just more Captain America? You know, why not just more Annabelle? Uh, you know, like, when the sequel comes out, let's petition for more Megan, um, is what I say. Um, Honestly, you know, agreed. It's, 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 yeah. I mean, it's either that or you want to be like, you know, two, T O O at the end. Like, you know you know iron man 2 like but with a too come on you know they did that for look who's talking too yeah because it was a second baby that was talking and that's you know that's a great use of that title not a great film but you know got some garbage people in it but um you know one of them is also passed away sadly but uh yeah so you know you've got you've got a wonderful rosanna arquette and i think the thing is that like the the premise of the segment is very very simple you know um we've got jerry stone turning up to go out on a date with karen and she's like, you know, he's booked a sushi place, which 
obviously is code in the 80s for being extremely pretentious um you know like these days you can literally buy sushi in supermarkets as part of you know like a meal deal back then it was a big deal to go out to a sushi place you know like they were very exclusive it was expensive you know people didn't know to use chopsticks so this is a great apartment so he's going on a date with karen he's got this sushi place booked he says you know obviously angling to get out the door as quick as possible and uh i hope you like sushi I made reservations at uh, Tokyo Rose on Columbus. She's just like, can I have, you know, a major credit card and a driver's license? Before we leave, do me one small favor, will you? Sure, what? Would you mind showing me a credit card and a valid driver's license? And eventually she says the title of the segment, which is two IDs. So she goes, can I have two IDs, please? And of course he's like, okay, yeah, sure, why not? And we see that she's got the AP 2002 uh, which is the model of the thing. It's like a fax machine, but with like, you know, um, and he's like, oh, you know, oh yeah, I love my VHS, you know, like. I don't know how I ever got along without one of these. Changed my life. Feel the same way about my VCR. Oh, hey, right now I'm taping Sophie's Choice with Meryl Streep. I love Meryl Streep. Oh, I am so into her. You know, he's obviously, you know, trying to, it, like he's, he's agreeing to it, but it, there's also a hint that he's trying to get out of there quickly. And then of course, uh, she dials in her code, which is three one six. So, the, <laughs> and then she types in his surname, and then we have this long printer paper, which is the, the type with the little holes on the side, so it can be fed through a Daisy Wheel printer. And it starts printing out a ton of stuff, and the pages go on for quite some time. Which, again, I think that's part of the joke is like there's so much information, and he's obviously like, "Oh, it <gasps> seems very thorough." And she's like, "Oh yeah," and she starts reading through it as they're kind of like on the way out the door. And then she kind of stops because she starts seeing some stuff that she doesn't like. <laughs> In particular, you know, Debbie Rothenberg, you know, and he's like, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, Debbie Rothenberg. And she's like, you know, you had sex on the second date and then you never called again. And he's like, oh, he's like, no, I don't think. And she's like, yes. <laughs> and then, you know, as they like, obviously, he's still trying to move to the door. And she's like still reading this very long list of things that he's done. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, what's, what's, uh-oh. Jerry. Does the name Debbie Rothenberg mean anything to you? But Debbie Rothenberg, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think I went out with her once or twice. You had sex with her on the second date, and then you never called her again. And she's like, you know, 11 times... She's like, you know, she could never be with a man who's selfish in bed, which he's done 11 times. And he's like, no, no, no. And she's, he's like, out of the hundreds of women I've slept with, and she, and she goes, she goes, hold on, there's only been 21 sexual intimacies. So that is a, that's a poor hit ratio, quite frankly, <laughs> if, like, 11, 11 out of 21 times, he's just basically finished and rolled over. Twelve times you ignored your date at a party to flirt with a more attractive woman. A hundred and sixty-nine times you feigned interest when a woman was talking about her career. And a hundred and sixty-nine times you pretended to be interested in his date's career, which I thought, you know. And then it says seventeen times he's booked, you know, a restaurant to go and eat sushi and pretended to be into Meryl Streep. And she goes, make that eighteen. Um... And obviously he's appalled, you know. He says those numbers don't jibe with his numbers. And then he's like, you know, she as he's leaving, she goes, well, maybe you can go and get lucky in a bar like you did last Thursday. Um, and I, I, th- I think it's funny because obviously, you know, like the the that's the, that's the premise. The premise is funny. 
Um, and you know the get lucky on a Thursday isn't the punchline because the punchline is he goes to a fo- you know a phone booth. Uh, I mean oh, everything about this shows its age. You talk of VHS and phone booths and what is effectively a fax machine. Um, and he calls up Beverly and she's you know and she's like yeah sure. Uh, but Jerry, um, I can pick you up in ten minutes. Sure, okay. Oh, oh Jerry. Um, yeah. Credit card and a valid driver's license. When you come, can you bring a major credit card and your driver's <laughs> license? And that's the punchline to the whole gag is that obviously this is now a common thing being used by women uh, in this particular city, whatever the city is. Uh, which, due to the sushi references, I'm going to say it's probably meant to be like somewhere in California. Yeah. Um, you know. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, like, uh, obviously, you know. Uh, I think I think it's funny because like this this is it is so dated in that like the idea of dialing some service and then sending you a fax printout of all this information uh, is kind of funny because like these days uh, not to be you know not to kind of try and draw parallels but obviously now you have dating apps and you know people have an online presence this is the kind of stuff that a company probably could do for you if you really wanted them to like if you if you were meeting someone in like a, you know a week's time you could probably contact someone and go can you take a look at all their social medias and you know try and find stuff out about them and kind of turn that into a report and send that to me by email you know like that is a thing that could could be done um so but i mean how are you how are you feeling about you know the premise of this the, the thing the, like the idea that you know with just one id and a major credit card you could basically check the entire sexual history of somebody you were about to go out on a date with so with this uh, the, the technology for me reminded me of when i used to be a 911 operator um this was okay. like 10 years ago um I guess 12 years ago now, doesn't really matter. Um, but uh, in a semi-current era, uh, and the way that uh, that you would check somebody's background was uh, through something called teletype. And uh, and it very much still was like dot matrix, and it was a printout, and it was just like all of the information that you could find on this person came out in the in the printer paper, and it felt exactly like this. Um, so I I kind of giggled at that, and just uh, as somebody who was uh, semi recently in the uh, in the dating pool, no longer. Sorry, everyone. Um, but I, the I kept getting ads for essentially like um, how how well do you know your date? Uh, verify them on this website, and uh, and you very much could essentially just pay somebody to uh, to cyberstalk whoever it was that you were about to go on a date with. So it's there. Um, yeah, I I do love the concept of like. The way that uh, that whatever service this is gets this information um, would have to include like calling up people and going, "Oh, I noticed that you just went on a date. I just have a couple <laughs> of questions. So, what was the name of that person? Did you get their date of birth? We can figure it out if you didn't. But um, did they do this? Did they do this? Did they do this? It's just like the uh, the customer service." survey after the date um that it seems like all of yeah. these women probably had to go through it it's funny because of 
it's uh, it's a distortion of what very uh, very reasonably happens um, because women do talk they uh, they do go oh you yeah. went on this date just so you know <laughs> yeah and I, I i mean you know i don't want to obviously turn the podcast that's about a film called Amazon Women on the Moon into something too serious. Uh, but obviously when Me Too happened, there was a document that detailed, you know, various things that people had done. And, you know, that was used by journalists and stuff uh, to get stories. And so, like, the, you know, the these days, obviously, yeah, you know, there are people that you could pay. But like you say, women do talk and that, you know, that people gain reputations and... I, I think that's kind of interesting that this is like you said like you know you know he's selfish in bed but I I think I think it's funny because like I did think about like the the data gathering exercise like you say of like calling up all these people that these different people have been with and the idea that maybe some of them are reporting more harshly like so they may say so, you know you know like I'm sure we've all had like a survey where someone's like you know from one to five you know one is strongly disagree five is agree and a lot of the times for some of those i'm just like neither agree nor disagree like number three all the way down like this you know you know you've had this experience and you haven't there's not really been anything that was bad but there's also not been anything that looked like was particularly good so you you just kind of go down the middle and i feel like the people who think that jerry was selfish in bed are the ones who are more likely to say oh yeah, no he was definitely like that's always going to be a five from people yeah. whereas it's never really going to be balanced out by like the ones and threes in that situation because those are the people who are always going to be like oh i you know he's he's terrible and and you know the bad things that he does are going to be the things they remember and those are the things they're going to report on whereas if he did do good things like you know i mean obviously it seems like he's lying about like you know being into meryl streep or whatever like but, but that's not like a capital offense or anything like it's not just yet. the kind of stuff that people who are on first dates do you know like you yeah you just you say you like something and if you don't then later on you're like oh you know on our first date i said i like that but i don't really you know i don't have any strong opinion on it i was just you know saying it and and, and that like the kind of turning this into like a very kind of data-driven exercise where it's like everything that he does no doubt after this encounter you know she's going to call up this service and she's going to report oh he you know he booked sushi he said this he denied that you know like there's gonna oh, she's also like it is going to be 18 times next time someone checks it out you know if beverly does manage to run the check if he does fall for that then you know like that 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 number is going to go up because obviously you know karen now is going to report I mean, you know, this may be the invention of the, the term Karen right here. Um, she is going to, like, say what went wrong with this encounter, and that is going to make him look even worse. Um, and so, you know, playing devil's advocate, which is obviously a very fun pinball game from The Simpsons, um, you know, that maybe the the way the reporting is being gathered might al always make it so it's biased against him. Like, you know, he before she printed out the printout and started reading stuff, Karen, you know, was getting on with him for you know a minute and then obviously it all falls apart pretty quickly and so it's like you know would this service as it was end up causing you know uh much like that episode of black mirror with um oh the ratings how is it who's yeah so it's like every every time he now goes out with a woman and she does she's gonna read the bad things and and then she's he, it's gonna set him off again and he, more bad things are going to get added and it's going to end up escalate until the point where all he's got is bad things and there's no good left on there um, you know, which then, you know, that's how you get incels murdering people. Um, but at the same time, you know, like, 
the, the 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 i mean the premise is funny just because of the stuff that she says but it also has this side where it's like yeah you know like you know people certain men are terrible and like knowing about them would obviously benefit society um but then you know it calls into question a lot of like i mean you know what's the data protection going on with this information <laughs> like you know who's checking that the information you know is this a second survey done like three weeks later to check what the person says still matches or you know they weren't just angry when they they did the first thing so you know but yeah in the end it's just a silly little kind of sketch that is in the middle of this film that's the kind of i'm like i don't know it feels like this is maybe something that the writers of this um you know who did used to do some sketch comedy stuff maybe they just had this sketch and they were like well we got to fill six minutes let's we've got steve gutenberg for a day we got rosanna arquette you know let's <laughs> you know let's just have fun with it um but yeah i did i mean i i, I think also like, i mean for me personally obviously you know I'm, I'm old enough now that i do remember like you say the kind of like teletype you know printer paper thing <laughs> like that for me i just find that funny the fact that she's got like like such an efficient printer oh, as well yeah. that thing like i don't i don't remember anything ever printing that fast in the 80s like you know if it, either if it's a daisy wheel or if it's you know just a you know going back with like a head that goes backwards or forwards those things would take a long time to print that much stuff out. yeah this skit was um, like six minutes and um if this was any printer that i've ever experienced we'd still be watching just that go up and go so you like um you like Meryl Streep? Anything else that you no? Oh, that's the only thing that you like her. Okay, okay, cool. Yeah, uh, I do think as well. It's funny, obviously, that he says it's ta- you know it's Sophie's choice is the, is the film that he's taping. Um, I think that's because like you know Meryl Streep's done a lot of stuff, but I think obviously you know the kind of subject matter of what Sophie's choice is about is kind of funny. Just like the, the like you're taping that like you know you aren't taping like the baseball or like. Again, I think, like, from his point of view, I think if Jeremy wants to improve, he's got to stop saying that he likes Meryl Streep and actually just say, you know, he's on a date, the baseball's on, I'm recording the baseball, I'm recording the football. Like, something that people would realistically believe. Like, you know, I don't don't believe that Jerry Stone is a huge Meryl Streep fan. Though, of course, Meryl Streep... I I like as well that that's the choice that they went with this film because, obviously, that is one part of this film that, you know, has aged perfectly because, obviously even like nearly 30 years later she's still a great actress <laughs> so it's like you know it like it works as a reference because it's like it, like at any time you could have people do this sketch and say Meryl Streep and it would still like work as like a as like a part of the sketch um but yeah i mean and also i think steve gutenberg does a good job of playing like you know the creep like this guy <laughs> like he gets so defensive so quickly and you know he he asked like again like there's things that when she's saying it he could just admit it and just be like yeah you know maybe i've done that i'm not going to do that with you like maybe and you know he gives that line that she basically says at the same time as him (laughs) and it's like i feel like i feel like there's some things that jerry could improve that would help his you know overall score on this system however they're doing it um and that is to like stop using the same i i think it's funny because actually this may be give him some key pointers to stop booking sushi stop talking about Mel Streep and stop saying that one particular line that she like says with him uh, uh, you know if he did some of that that would maybe improve his behavior and also Jerry go down on a girl man yeah. I mean you it's know. only polite yeah um you know and that was the 80s like things were getting sexually adventurous so you know everyone was coked out their heads I mean you know like I'm sure someone would have appreciated it you know like uh, it just it just you know like stop you know stop kind of exaggerating things just be a bit more humble jerry you know it it feels like this is kind of the 
the the counter to to pick up artists and and later down the road you get negging uh but right now it's just the okay in order to get into a girl's pants you have to uh, you have to wow them by getting an exclusive reservation and and you should probably have these lines ready because these work you know that these work and um and as soon as you bed them, you don't have to call them ever again because that's the that's the thing. So it's kind of the uh, the response to that sort of culture. Yeah, and I, I think I think it's funny because like you know again like uh, Rosanna Arquette, she you know she she plays the role of like someone willing to date at the very start, and then after reading it, like her disgust is understandable. Um, but then also like you know. The, the feigning interest in someone's career like again if you're on a first date or a second date or something you don't really know someone you know the stuff that you kind of pretend to be interested in and then once you get to know someone better then you you know you take a genuine interest in stuff so i i don't think he can be blamed for that like it sounds like he's going on a lot of first dates and not a lot of second or third dates so oh no he did go on one second date with debbie rothenberg although uh, they also kind of refer to the fact that this is a blind date so maybe this is a dating service um sort of thing where maybe yeah. uh, i know back then it was like you that uh, you could look through a catalog of of lonely hearts and that sort of thing and uh maybe the maybe his bio says something like getting ready to settle down and is he no <laughs> yeah i i mean I, like I, I mean it feels less likely that this is like a video dating thing um although one of the later segments is literally like a video dating thing so you know that obviously was prominent so maybe this is just a different version of that that sketch that they had um that later one ends up you know going in some very odd places um <laughs> but yeah so uh, is there anything else that we need to say about uh two ids um, uh I don't think so. I think that we've uh, we've talked about it, and um, well, how how upset would you be if this was a a, a thing that people could do? Uh, I mean, do you know what? Here's what I would say. I would say that uh, you know, I you know, unlike Jerry, I probably wouldn't be that defensive. But if someone was to start reading back stuff that I've done in the past, uh, the thing that I would I would end up doing. Uh, would just be like yeah you know i regret that like there's things that i said to people like 25 years ago that i still think about and i still regret saying <laughs> and so it's like if you're gonna read a list of things that i've done believe me i've probably already thought about them a dozen times and regretted ever doing them so you know like it, it, there's not really anything you could tell me that would kind of make me as defensive as jerry i'd probably just be like yeah i did do that and i just I, you know, I it, it it weighs heavily on my mind, and I'm, I, you know, I would I try to be different, you know, and try to change my behavior to be a better person. I uh, I um, feel like if it were me, I would uh, I would go, oh, um, actually, they missed this awful part too. I I've been replaying <laughs> yeah. this for the past fifteen years. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it. I probably I would probably end up going, oh yeah, I remember that, and then I also did this, which they didn't even seem to mention. Like I would end up, yeah, you'd end up adding more um but yeah i mean i i i mean i don't think we could say these days you know you've got dating apps and so all of this is like you know the same because you know obviously most dating apps you know thinking of obviously tinder you know you just swipe on pictures and there isn't really like we said that that isn't really providing with in-depth information but yeah there probably is a service which i'm sure employers use to check your social media and all that kind of stuff as well so there's probably that kind of technology out there um, you know, as they say on a lot of different apps, it's good to have a clean social media. Yeah. 
you know, whatever, you know, if you're going to create, if you're going to go, uh, you know, hog wild on social media, uh, do it under an alias. <laughs> I'm just happy. And then hope no one ever finds that alias. I, I'm happy that I'm of an age that my, uh, my like teens and early 20s weren't on social media. I, um, I have my live journal and I'll still go through that and go, oh, oh I'm happy this is locked down now because I can't delete it because like... Uh, it's it's very cringy, but it's kind of my own personal shame. But oh, due to the internet kind of falling apart immediately after it's put together, um, anything that I did when I was like a teenager is long lost to sites that no longer exist, like GeoCities and stuff like that. Um, and here's a fun story about my MySpace. <laughs> um, I I edit I edit I mean I I don't do it as much these days, but about ten years ago I was very very I was very much like editing a lot of stuff on. Uh, Wikipedia. I've got like, I don't know, 30,000 edits, something like that. At one point I was in the top 150 um, of, you know, editors like who done... Um, nowadays they're all bots that do most of the editing, you know, like they've all got like 2, 3 million edits. Um, but of the people, I was still quite high up. I kind of stopped doing it um, you know, because you, you got involved in battles about pointless things. Right. Um, but there are a few films out there where I wrote the synopsis and it's pretty much the same synopsis today, like with only a few kind of tiny tweaks. I think Book of Eli is one that I wrote and I, I got it to exactly the right word length and then people kept trying to add stuff and I'd delete it and, you know, I, I, so stuff like that. But anyway, I made an edit to a producer's page. I think I might have even put it for, up for deletion. I filled out an article for deletion, which is a process you go through where you delete a page. You say, this person isn't notable. And I think it was for a producer who, what happened is what's meant to happen. People then expanded, they put more references, that they made it clear that he was, you know, they added stuff that made it more notable. And I was like, okay, that's fine. I'm happy that the page remained because it was improved. And that's the point of Wikipedia. My editing name on Wikipedia was just my name. Like I, I didn't see the reason to not have it be my name. And a lot of people give you more credit for edits if your name is just your name. If you've got a username and there's no real name anywhere on there, people find it a lot easier to get rid of your edits and stuff like that. So I was like, I got no problem with it just being my name. That's pretty much, you know, there's like four people on the planet with my name. Yeah. And I generally get to most social media first or, you know, I've got the Gmail that's just my name. Like, I, I get to stuff quickly. So on Wikipedia, I was like, my name is just going to be my name. Anyway, my MySpace was also just my name. And I hadn't used my MySpace in like, I don't know, three or four years at that point. Facebook had took off. So, and I went, I just logged into it one day because I was like, oh, what, you know, you know, because you do. You're like, oh, I'm, sh you know, I, was try I think I was trying to find someone who wasn't on Facebook, but they, I knew they were on MySpace. So I was like, oh, I'll just log in, see if I can send them a message, see if, you know. And when I logged in, I had a message from a producer <laughs> of a film. <laughs> and one of the films that he produced was, oh, it was a Quentin Tarantino film that he wrote but didn't it was the what's the oliver stone quentin tarantino film that he did about the killers oh my god this is driving me crazy i've got literally everything except natural born mm. killers he was a producer on natural born killers and he sent me a message on myspace a myspace i hadn't logged into for at least two years about an edit i made on wikipedia to one of his producer friends pages oh that's so petty and it was insane yeah i was just like I was like, I know how you found me because my MySpace is just my name and my Wikipedia is just my name and he just sent me a message. 
Um, and I think I replied being like, oh, I love Natural Born Killers, because obviously I checked his Wikipedia to sure. see what he produced. And I was like, you know, you know, I've got the DVD and I've got the screenplay and the soundtrack's really good. And, you know, like, <laughs> and he, he kind of like didn't, like he replied like, okay. And then it was just like, and I was, but then I, I explained the process. I was like, I put it up for deletion because it didn't look like it was notable. It had no references. And, and I was like, now it's got references. I'm fine. And I think he just, he, he just sent me a message back being like, fuck off. And I was like, you, you messaged me, buddy. You sent me a message. You're the producer of Natural Born Killers. Why are you sending a message on MySpace four years after MySpace was relevant? I don't know. I just found that really funny. So, yeah, you know, I, I, that's I'm fine with that because that's a funny story. But, yeah, you know, like people can find stuff out about you on social media if it's not completely locked down. But, you know, if people want to know what I've edited on Wikipedia, go ahead. Take a look. Like there's literally thousands of edits. <laughs> like A lot of the time it's not anything very interesting. The other day, I think I just somewhat have messed up a table. So I just reverted it back to so the table was fixed. Like little tiny things like that. If I see if I see stuff on Wikipedia where it's broken, I'm like, yeah, I'll just log in and fix it. Like, you know, but yeah, it's just really weird that like that's the extent that this one guy went to was hunting me down. <laughs> uh, he did his own little kind of, you know, Rosanna Arquette in Amazon Women on the Moon to me. Where he, was, he was like trying to call me out for something. And I was like, yeah, I, you know, I did that. Like it's it's public. Like I'm not hiding. I'm not hiding behind a username. You you found my MySpace, you know, congratulations. You produced Natural Born Killers. I'm sure you've got better things to do with your life. Um, but I did end up, it, fun fact, I ended up watching like the behind the scenes on Natural Born Killers because I was like, does this guy appear in? And he did. That's very cool. And I was cool. like, that's the guy right there. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, that guy in the, in the behind the scenes for Natural Born Killers, he sent me a message on MySpace. Unfortunately, MySpace had that big thing where they lost all the data. So they basically lost everyone's accounts. So, but MySpace still exists. You can still create accounts over there, but it's mostly used for musicians for putting up songs and stuff that they don't want to put on Spotify and that. So, uh, but there you go. So we've ended up uh, at a very interesting place. Me telling you about a time when a producer just sent me a message on MySpace randomly. Um, but yeah. So, uh, if there's nothing else for us to say about this, then let us go to plugs. Is there anything that you wish to plug? Uh, yeah. Check me out on my podcast. It's Rocky Horror Minute. You can go to rockyhorrorminute.com or just find us any place that you get your podcasts. And you can find us on Twitter now. A hellscape owned by a guy who couldn't take the fact that his ex-wife is going out with Chelsea Manning, uh, and that is A W O T M P over there. The P stands for podcast. Uh, the rest of it stands for the title of the film. Uh, thank you for joining me to talk about this segment today, Leandra. Of course, I always have fun jumping in and talking about stuff with you. <laughs> and uh, otherwise, goodbye. Ain't no fucking Thelma here, man.